Brandon Adams is joining us. Yeah, being a, yeah, you know what, you know what, on that cruise and got we went to a kind of kind of off season intro song yeah. with BA yeah. as the song that was through the regular season turned out to be bad luck. Um, so we're trying to pick up something different and mm-hmm. see if we could start something new. Yeah, you know, you know what. BA I mean, BA don't want on a cruise. I saw, you I you saw probably it. couldn't have picked a wrong Chris Stapleton song to me. Why? But I think Randy's saying maybe try again. Go back I mean, to the I drawing mean, board. I mean, look at it. He's been on the cruise. He uh, got. I saw he got some new duds up there. Got a new studio, new new colorful <laughs> buttons. And then he going to come with this, man. I mean. I love that song. So, Randy, I'll be honest with you. The last two songs I've used on your show are essentially both like alcoholic anthems. Yeah. Like I probably, for the sake of my reputation, needed to go <laughs> in something a little different. And, you know, I think you need to give White a White Horse a little bit more of a chance. You know, you got to let it breathe a little bit and just sort of – it definitely kicks in and kind of gets going. Now, some of the Stapleton stuff is a little bit mellow. Not all of that's my cup of tea. But I do have to admit of – the sort of newer songs that are out there right now. This is probably my favorite. Isn't White Horse about drugs, though? Is it really? No, I don't think. I'm just kidding. I don't think it is. I don't oh, think it really man, is. I'm not even cool enough to know I don't think that. It, yeah, I, man, it's I, about, I, it's I about cocaine. No, I don't, I don't think it actually is, but I guess that could be a term for that. Anyway, Brandon Adams joins us here, as he always does on Tuesdays. Uh, brought to you by R.S. Andrews, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electrical. B.A., I know since the last time we talked, um, Jim Harbaugh has officially left Michigan. So that makes three out of the four head coaches of the college football playoff teams either retired in the NFL or on a different team. Now, one of them went from one team to the other, but still, uh, three out of the four teams in the college football playoff moved on. Um, You think that's a trend or an outlier? I think it's probably more of an outlier because I don't know how often in the future – you know, the guy like Harbaugh is going to be leaving college to go to the NFL. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. In the case of Harbaugh, he clearly wanted to be in the NFL, and the previous then it had some success. So, you know, the idea that we're having this much, you know, changeover, I would say it's probably more of an outlier than anything else because also you have the issue where one guy left one school to go to the other. So, right. you know, we, we obviously live in kind of a time of change when it comes to college football. But in terms of this kind of changeover with head coaches, I, I don't know that we'll see as much of uh, this moving forward, but it clearly sets up a landscape for 2024 where the sport's going to feel a lot different than it did 12 months ago. Do you think, because, I mean, the NCAA, they, they're, they're going to get Michigan. Do you think it's, it won't be as bad, say, if he was there then because he's not there? So do you really think they will do that? I mean, I, I sort of feel like Michigan is kind of above the line of sort of too big to fail where, you know, one of the biggest programs in the Midwest, a lot of very fancy people, you know, claim Michigan degrees. And so – this sort of feels like the kind of thing that the NCAA will drag out, investigate for a while, but never come back with sort of any real serious punishment for it. The NCAA likes, uh, you know, I think sort of picking fights against sort of lesser, you know, uh, opponents from time to time. You know, ultimately, I really don't know how much power the NCAA really has to do anything to Michigan. But your overall point, now that Harbaugh is gone, it all seems really, you know, just kind of sort of beside the point now. I would agree with that. Although I'm not really quite so sure they ever really had any real power to do anything about Michigan anyway. I think they should have. Frankly, I think that Michigan should have self-imposed. I think that Michigan should have voluntarily set out of this year's college football playoff to show us they they really do take the sort of pomposity (laughs) seriously about how much better they are than everybody else. This was their chance to prove that, and obviously they chose not to. Sure as I wish they would have. That would have been great. Um, So so you think that that's that? Like Michigan's just kind of – like in the because the big it was two it wasn't just the NCAA that got him last year the Big Ten had the three game suspension at the end of the season for the cheating 
the spying, all of that. It was the NCAA that got him early in the year, and I think that was self-imposed at the beginning of the year where they had the three game where Harbaugh couldn't be there. Yeah. They missed six games last year, by the way. There was six games, yeah. the national championship team, uh, their head coach wasn't on the sideline for. Uh, another guy that's their head coach now was. But So you think that's that, huh? They're just they're free and clear now? Michigan goes on about their business? Well, two things about this. A, as you said before, what a great you know benefit for Sharon Moore when the guy that you replaced was suspended for multiple games for two different things in the year before you know you become the, became the head coach. He got a lot of good experience out of that. Uh, but as far as the other point, yeah, I do kind of feel like this probably goes away a little bit because while I believe that Connor Stallion stuff was all real, and I do think that Michigan truly benefited from that, I have to admit I think part of the reason some of this stuff came to light is I think there are a lot of people that don't like Jim Harbaugh. Fairly or not, there are a lot of people that don't like Jim Harbaugh. And so some of the pressing on this at the Big Ten level, yeah. and maybe even sometimes even within, like, say, the Michigan program, I, I think even in within his own program, I don't think that Harbaugh was all that popular. So I do believe within, like, say, Big Ten circles, within NCAA circles, I do believe that Michigan will be viewed a little bit differently because I just think that Harbaugh has a habit of rubbing people the wrong way. And I think the motivation to, like, throw the book at Michigan now with him not there anymore – I think that probably is lessened to an extent. B.A., and I wanted to ask because we talked about this uh, last week before you went on the cruise and everything. You do see a lot of representation of schools on these cruises and on vacations and everything, especially down in the Caribbean. Was it a lot more of those Michigan fans on the boat? Like, was it – did it – because when I was there last year when Georgia won, I had all my Georgia stuff on. There was all the respect people coming by, even with their schools on. Was it something similar to that with Michigan teams? Well, I didn't see as much of it on the cruise, but I do see it in life just more. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the maize and blue mm-hmm. is sort of out yep. in full force. And listen, I do get it. I mean, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, Georgia won a, a national championship this first time in a little while. And so, gosh knows, we were all over the place. And I guess this is Michigan's kind of turn to do, you know, some of that too. So I think there's definitely going to be more of that. And I would also say, like, moving forward in a place like Atlanta where almost every fan base is represented in a pretty large way because people move to Atlanta on a pretty regular basis. I do think you're going to see more of this going forward where it's sort of like, you know, Big Ten versus SEC, not through from the idea of like the conference pride. I think a lot of that stuff has kind of gone away but from the idea of everybody's competing for kind of the, the limited resources, the money, the TV contracts, the players, the coaches. And right now, you know, the Big Ten sort of feels like they've got you know, that prestige because they've got the national championship. The SEC is used to having that. I do believe the upcoming year is going to be working to try to get that back. I think you're going to see more of that in the future where there really is kind of an arms race between the two top leagues that kind of distance themselves from the others. And, you know, right now the Big Ten can claim some bragging rights because they've got the championship trophy, no matter how ill-gotten it was uh, conceived. I will say – I've seen more Michigan flags out front of houses really? over the yeah. last month or so than yeah, like it, it they kind of pop up when when teams are doing well. Like our neighborhood, we got a, we got a Washington flag. It's flying still. Right. We'll probably switch over to the Braves at some point in the future. Uh, there's a Michigan one. There's a Notre Dame one that's always up there. And then there's a damn Oregon flag of all the <laughs> oh, wow. of all the flags. I'm three thousand miles away, and there's an Oregon Northwest flag. Northwest has followed you all the way to your neighborhood. That's, that, that's nothing irritates that, me uh, more. Nothing irritates me more than when I see that gold and yellow, that that green and gold O, three thousand miles away from Eugene. Um, hey, how much do you pay attention to uh, the? Se- Obviously, there's there's some Georgia guys that are participating. How how much do you pay attention to the Senior Bowl? 
I guess a little bit. It's probably not my favorite thing quite as much. I don't like all-star football games just because I think that football is one of those things that's meant to be intense, and I don't know how intense something like this is. And obviously the pre-draft workouts or like the pre-senior bowl workouts are probably some of the, I guess, the more important things that go on. And I do kind of hope the Georgia guys do well there on that. But I would have to say that I don't know that the senior bowl stuff quite gets me, you know, quite as well. But it is another example of something that's kind of cool for Georgia, which is, in addition to all the, like, the elite prospects, high four-star, five-star guys Georgia brought in, this is also a program that's gotten pretty good at developing the sort of like lower-level three-star or in some cases even less heralded than that. Like Lad McConkey, we expect him to kind of show out a little bit this week. I think that's kind of a cool sort of furthering of a brand of Georgia, of getting a little bit more out of guys that weren't expected to do much. I would say that Javon Bullard's a little bit like that too, a guy that really became a much better player at Georgia than his recruiting profile would have ever suggested. So in terms of what I am interested in when it comes to the senior bowl, it's that kind of stuff of some of the guys that Georgia has and expecting to do well there were not guys that were predicted to do so by the recruiting services. And in addition to the elite recruits that Georgia does get, that's always a very good thing for your program overall. Yeah, no doubt. Like Lad McConkey, we were just talking about it in a break. Yeah. If, if he does well here and the combine and all that kind of stuff, there's talks of him being able to work his way into the second round. Yeah. Like, it's a guy who, you know, three-star, nobody's really thinking about him that much when he gets on campus. Obviously had an incredible career, but, yeah, that's another kind of another kind of recruiting pitch that Kirby can make. And for your audience, you know, who maybe doesn't follow George's close just but likes the NFL draft, like, the one thing to keep in mind about McConkie is, is that this was a real miss by the recruiting industry. And everybody will, you know, say that they just didn't see him enough to really, you know, you know, recognize what he was but McConkey's athletic I'm yes, guessing he he'll do really well when it comes to like the short cone drill mm-hmm. his leaping ability is pretty good I mean people want to compare him obvious you know you know to the other white wide receivers but the truth is is athletically McConkey actually brings a whole lot to the table that goes beyond just some of the more sort of like stereotypical stuff that you sometimes hear you could say sneaky athletic. Sneaky that's what you we like say to say we're talking about that's right white wide that's receivers right. B.A. we appreciate, appreciate it. it thank B. you uh, good to be with you guys as always.